Praise the Lord. So good to be here. You know, we have a kindred spirit. Uh, those of you that have attended the uh, Christian retreat up at Strawberry Lake, you, uh, you know that there were churches that from all over, at least the north area here in Canada, that would come during the summer and, um, and just get filled up with God, filled up with the things of the Spirit of God. And uh, we sang a lot of those courses. You know, every generation has their own songs, so I get it at our church too. My own son, by the way, want you to meet my wife, uh, Jeanette. We co-pastor down in Florida, the headquarters church, Jeanette. She's also the worship leader, pastor as, as your wife is in our worship teams. My son, Stephen, we have four children, and this is my youngest here. And uh, Stephen pastors the young adults in, in our church. But um, we, go, we go back, you know, so many years because there at Christian Retreat, you know, we were doing that for 53 years, 53 years. And um, me and my brothers and my sister, we were out there cutting down trees to carve that place out of the woods back then as well. We've been uh, in it the whole time. And uh, see familiar faces here, some of you involved at the Christian Retreat up there. And then just this year, my dad, uh, our founder, uh, at 93 years old, uh, was called to get his heavenly reward. And uh, we waited for things to thaw out down here. And then just this week, uh, came up here to uh, put my dad's body in the, the cemetery of the Little Mennonite Church, where this all began. And I say this, being a, a worldwide ministry, that God called uh, our family, and particularly my father, to out of this Mennonite church uh, back in January of 1955. January of 1955, a seven-day and seven-night revival. Nobody went home. Now, they were praying for a revival for an entire year, fasting and praying. My dad was the youngest pastor in the Mennonite church at that time, 22 years old. And he didn't know better. He was just praying for God to show up. Didn't know what that was going to look like. And when it happened, it looked awfully Pentecostal. And we weren't Pentecostal. We didn't believe in those things in those days. The Mennonite church did. And uh, so it was mostly young people. They were joining with my father, fasting and praying for an entire year. And then one day, some unusual things started happening in the church. And... Uh, Teenagers mostly start falling off their seats onto the floor, speaking in tongues. Well, we'd heard about the Holy Roller Church, you know, down the road, that they did that sort of thing, but we didn't expect it in our church. I was one year old back at that time, uh, crawling around on those same floors, no doubt. But um, the, de the deacons and my dad start dragging them out of the sanctuary, you know, thinking it was dishonoring God. They were speaking in tongues, laying on the floor. And uh, every time they'd drag a few out, a couple more would fall. And, uh, you know, people never went home. They came over to our house for seven days and nights. There was an unusual move of God that, uh, with prophetic words, that ultimately um, sent our family to Florida. Is that better? <laughs> it was flipping out there. Yeah, I told Pastor I have a love-hate relationship with these microphones. 
but uh, we'll get by. But that whole story is talked about in an autobiography. Uh, my sister helped my father write this called Following the Fire. Following the Fire about this revival and how it launched our family into ministry that's literally affected. We have mission outreaches in 53 nations of the world, over 3,000 churches planted all over the world. And uh, this church here has a historical connection, I believe, to what God has done at Strawberry Lake. Because it was in the same year, 1965, when we started that Christian retreat summer camp for churches of all denominations to come uh, with their children, with their families, and just see God for their summer vacations. Right on Strawberry Lake, so you could do fishing as well, boating, but then come in for the services and see what God would do. And um, that uh, 1965 year, it's the same year that Pastor Jim Erb, the founder of this church, got his call from God to pastor. And uh, so my dad and Jim Erb were very close. That's why I think by the Holy Spirit, Pastor, you introduced me as Pastor Phil Erb, because there's, there's that kind of a connection there. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I'm always looking for the fingerprints of God. But... Um, you know, I want to say that we have a kindred spirit. You know, this, this church is not a church that's trying to be religious. You know, Jesus never came to earth to bring another religion. He came, I'm going to give another R word. He came to bring relationship. Let's say that. Relationship. How many of you discovered that's a whole lot better? You know, religions uh, always disagree on things and uh, that's why we have so many denominations that's a religious word for divisions <laughs> you know but this church is not against denominations interdenominational if i were to ask for a show of hands I, we could probably have just about every religious denomination represented here in the church but what what has brought us together is a relationship with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened in our little Mennonite church that had been practicing religion, but they got a little too close to God by fasting and praying and asking for revival. And God said, I'm just going to show up. <laughs> and uh, it was amazing how the, as it says in the book here, and by the way, I've, I forgot to drop these off, little programs that were handed out at the Celebration of Life that we did at our church in Florida last month. There were over a thousand people at that and thousands of people online. It was such a great tribute to my father, which some of you just know so personally for all these years up at Strawberry Lake. And uh, so I would like to make these available. I got a stack of them back at the table if you want to pick one up. It's got the obituary and, and a lot of pictures on here. And um, I'll just uh, give you one of those, Barry. Barry was the director of the camp for many years. And I don't think there's anybody else I know, Barry, that knows as many songs as I do in the body of Christ for generations than you. <laughs> because we were brought up on hymnals. We were brought up on these little courses. And now we're being brought up on all the new songs that everybody's singing in church. But. I've got a word for this church today. You know, the revival that started 
back up here at Strawberry Lake, when these young people started coming out of the trance that put them on the floor, they're speaking in tongues, when they start getting quiet, one by one they start prophesying. Now the Bible talks about prophecy as one of the gifts of the Spirit, one of those ways that God manifests His reality on earth today, one of the manifestation gifts that shows that God's here. We, we know there's gifts of miracles, gifts of healing. How many have ever been healed by God? You know it was God. Look at all those hands. You know, God wants to manifest, show the world through you and through me that He's alive and well working on planet earth. Well, one of those gifts, the, the, the gift of tongues, is also a gift of interpretation of tongues. The first boy that fell off his seat and was speaking in tongues stopped and started speaking in English. And uh, my dad was listening. He said, turn in your Bibles to Acts 2, 17 and 18, and you shall understand. Well, my dad ran for his Bible, you know, because he didn't know what that said exactly. Acts 2, 17 and 18. But he read it and it said, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Wow. Somebody say wow. Wow. I've stopped saying amen because I, that came too natural for me. Wow. It's even bigger, right? Well, my, that started helping my dad understand that this was not uh, just something that was made up by emotion. But it was something by God. Because that scripture reference starts out saying, In the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And it was happening right there in our church. It was happening. That was in 1955. We are three generations down the road now. My grandmother was there at that revival. My parents, uh, my dad's kids, we were there. And uh, now here we are. Let me tell you, we're still following the fire. Amen. Amen, somebody? We're still following the fire. But I want you to look at a scripture with me today in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Because in this passage, and I've really made this one verse, 2 Timothy 1.6, kind of my verse for this year. Because I think 2022 is a year that God is doing something great among the church of Jesus Christ. Among his people. And I want you to get a vision for this because I believe God wanted me to deliver this to you. You know, we're all familiar with 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How many remember that one? We, we quote that, we walk that, we believe that in a world riddled with fear. That's a good one to know. But I want to back up to the verse before that a little further because... The context of that verse is the Apostle Paul exhorting young Timothy. He was mentoring him. And if we go back and uh, let's pick it up at verse, um, verse 5. Here's the Apostle Paul saying to young Timothy, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, and I'm reading out of the NIV to make a point here. For this reason, I remind you, 
I remind you to fan into flame. Say that with me. Fan into flame. In the King James Version, it says to stir up the gift. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Here the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, maybe uh, Timothy was raised by his grandmother. But his grandmother was fervent for God. And his mother was fervent for God. And so Timothy was raised right. But how many of you know that we have to constantly be stirring up the flame? We, we can become a glowing ember. You can even burn out. But God does not want anybody to burn out. It says in Revelation 3, remember the church of Laodicea. He says, I don't want you to get lukewarm. Don't get lukewarm. You, you stay hot for God. He said, I'd rather you would be cold or hot. But don't be a hypocrite. Don't come to church and worship God and then go out on Monday and live for the devil. Stay hot for God. Let the fire keep burning. Fan into flame the gift of God that's within you. And I believe that we are today in Timothy's generation. I want to declare to the church, don't, don't cool down. I mean, we're living in a world that is in chaos. Uh, we're seeing some of the craziest things going on in our nation that we don't like. Well, listen, the answer is going to come from the church. The church has got to rise up and be that demonstration of God in the world today because I don't see any other answer for the world you know just this week you, you if you watch the news at all and I don't recommend it but that 18 year old in Texas you know who walked into an elementary school after he had shot his grandmother in the forehead by the grace of God she lived then he walks into that fourth grade elementary school and kills nine nine kids I think it is now and two teachers not 19 19 and two two and then he wounded I think 17 I mean he had locked the door behind him he intended to do more than that but they they broke in and took him out that's this week and just a couple weeks ago another 18 year old in Buffalo New York that walked into a grocery store and started shooting took out gunned down I think 10 people before um, they uh, took him down. Uh, a hate crime, you know. At the same time, a church. Did you hear this in California? Another hate crime. Somebody came into a Presbyterian church and he also locked all the doors on a Sunday and uh, had explosive devices planted. He was planning to do more than shoot, shoot the place up. And took out guns and started shooting. And one guy took him down. You read this story. Was a doctor who was also in martial arts. And he wasn't going to let this happen. He gave his life. I guess the only one that died in that encounter. But in a church. This is happening in America. If ever the world needs a church that rises up. This country was founded. With godly men and women. Not just as a country that gives freedom for all religions of the world but as a Christian nation as a God-fearing Christian nation that believes in salvation through Christ and so as I look at this I say to the church here in Detroit Lakes Christian fellowship 
Christian Fellowship has been a church in this community that has been open to all denominations. It's not been a place where people get religious. It's a place where people get a relationship with God. This is a place that believes in the gifts of the Spirit. Believes in miracles for today. Believes that people can walk in this church, sit in the back, never stand up, never worship, and still get a supernatural miracle from God. That happened in our church just recently. A Catholic man who didn't know the protocol of our Protestant church, you know, that you stand during worship. He came in the back. He's sitting during the worship. But just a few months earlier, he had had a brain uh, tumor operation. You know, the few, few people that have that. And it had left his right eye blind. And uh, someone else in our church brought him to church. We're all worshiping. We're all standing, raising our hands, worshiping. This Catholic man, you know, he knew when to stand and when to sit in the Catholic church. But never been to a church like this. And God's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? <laughs> to this man, you know, sitting in the back. All of a sudden, his right blind eye, totally blind, popped open. Whoa. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, you know, he's, he's tapping the guy that brought him, who's standing worshiping God. He's tapping him, tapping him. And he looks down at him and says, don't bother me. We're worshiping God now. He said, no, no, my eye, my eye just opened. <laughs> oh, I love when that happens. I tell you, that'll make a believer out of you. You don't have to talk somebody into receiving Christ. Just sick the Holy Ghost on them. God can prove his own reality. I'll tell you what, God's good at that. But we're living in a time where we really need, we really need God to show up. How's he going to do that? He's not going to just come out of heaven. The Bible says he's going to come through God's people. The last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That doesn't mean start a church and pound a pulpit. Jesus never started a church. He said, we are the church. Go into the world. After you go to church, then go out into the world. And then he says, as you go, as you go to Walmart, as you go to work, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Am I talking to the right crowd here? Do we believe that? We believe that. I've had the opportunity to lay hands on blind eyes and see them pop open. I tell you, it makes a stronger believer out of you. I wish it happened all the time. But because I've seen it happen, I'm a believer. I have faith to believe that it can happen again and again and again. I know this is that kind of church. I want you to, while you're in your Bible there, uh, turn over a page. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. It starts out saying, in the last days, know this. Perilous times shall come. Are we there, anybody? Yeah. Perilous times. I never thought we'd be at a place where somebody would say, we need to defund the police. Hello. We don't need law and order. And then we saw such a lack of law and order. I mean, I tell you, we were grieving about this nation of freedom. There are certain things you don't have the freedom to do in this nation. Thank God. And we do need law and order. Perilous times shall come. It says, people, men, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Well, we know that's true. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, 
unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those things that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. We know that's true. But look at verse 5. Having a form of godliness. This is a Christian nation. The nations of the world look to this country with hope for freedom. To enjoy the same freedoms that we enjoy. Sometimes we're not a very good example of a Christian nation. But then it says, having a form of godliness, little g, notice that, but denying the power thereof. Denying the power thereof. It says, from such turn away. You know, there's a lot of churches that don't believe that God heals today. They're not likely to receive a healing in that church. Because Jesus said, if you can but believe, then all things are possible. Jesus rebuked his disciples many times. Why did you doubt? Well, we thought we were going to drown. Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat. Then Jesus gets up and speaks to the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. And become still. And even the disciples looked at him and said, What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the seas obey him. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's the God that lives inside of us. We don't want to be numbered among those that are going through religious motion but deny the power thereof. This is not that kind of church. And it says stay away from them. It's contagious. Religion is contagious. The thing that distinguishes a church like this is that we don't believe that we can earn anything from God. The Bible says as many as just receive Jesus as Lord. Just receive him. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to come to an altar. Jesus never did that. He never had a show of hands. Never had to fill out a little form. <laughs> he didn't teach us the four spiritual laws or the Romans road. Didn't even give us a sinner's prayer to use. He just says, as many as receive me, just say yes to Jesus. I'll give you the power to become sons and daughters of the living God, the creator of the universe. Somebody say, wow. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Because we have that authority in the world today, if we can believe. You know, the Bible says that it's spirit-filled people that God wants to speak to and speak through. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And uh, this scripture goes on. If you go down to verse 7, it says that these people that have a form of godliness, they're ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. If you look at that word knowledge, there's two, there's two ways that the Greek word knowledge is used. Either academic knowledge or, as it's used in this portion, ever learning but never coming to a experiential or participative knowledge of the truth. Wow, that's so important. What God wants us to do, and this is what I say, fan into flame. If, if we as a church will just take what we're learning, Pastor Tim's one of the best Bible teachers that I know. 
Amen. He is. You hear the truth, and if you just go out, and like Nike says, just do it. And then watch and see what God will do. You say, well, everybody's heard the gospel. A lot of people in America have heard about Jesus. But many of them have not heard the gospel of the kingdom. The power of Jesus. A lot of people have preached Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But Jesus himself said, preach the gospel of the kingdom. That's a gospel of power, of authority over sickness, over discouragement, over depression. You know, a lot of these incidences that are happening with 18-year-olds and even younger kids that are, and now, now they're saying that the highest cause of death among 12-year-olds, don't check me on this because I got it on the internet. <laughs> but it's suicide, 12-year-olds in America? That's wrong, That's demonic. But I believe that we have the opportunity to be participative in what we've learned and step into the fray. God's putting opportunities before us. Step into the fray and see what God will do. I believe that it makes our life come alive as well. If we just get involved. Just do it. Do something for God. You can hear, 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 learn, 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 and that old pond gets stagnant. But if you get out and you lay your hands on somebody, you know, uh, years ago, uh, I've been involved with Barry and lots of you in doing outreaches on the streets of Detroit Lakes. And uh, God called me to the streets with an audible voice, calling me by name, an audible voice. But I remember walking down the street here in Detroit Lakes Walking past an assisted care or a nursing home, there were two old ladies, I'm going to tell you, much older than anybody in here today, okay, sitting on a bench as I walked by. And I just greeted them, hey, how you doing? And they were friendly and greeted me back. And so I stopped and started talking to them. They said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm actually just walking around the streets praying for people. They said, what's that? I said, well, you know, we're connecting people to God through words spoken in prayer. They looked at me like a deer in the headlights, you know. And uh, I said, haven't you ever heard the message about Jesus? These two ladies in Detroit Lakes with one foot in the grave had never heard the gospel message. What a joy it was to lead them to Jesus. It made my day. And that's what it'll do when we get about the Father's business. The Bible says in Psalms 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Boy, if you get uh, into the news every day, we got to really get into the counsel of God a lot more. Or we're going to be in trouble. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's why this church is prospering. The Bible says the ungodly are not so but they're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Wind represents tribulation and unrest in the world today. 
Like the, 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 the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. You know, I just really believe that we need to be reminded from time to time that God didn't intend for us to just gather together and have a good time learning. But he wants to send us. This is a sending church. And you don't have to be sent to Ukraine, you know, to have a mission and outreach. You can be sent to Detroit Lakes. There's people out there that still don't know Jesus that need a healing and need hope, need a deliverance. And uh, I want you to turn to Joshua 1.8. Turn to Joshua 1.8. I just want to give you a couple thoughts here. You've heard it preached before. But in Joshua 1.8, you remember Joshua, you were talking about crossing over the Jordan, Pastor Tim. Joshua, after 40 years in the wilderness... Joshua was about to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Now the promised land represents God's promise for you and for me. How many of you know God's got some promises for our lives? You're no mistake. God conceived you in your mother's womb for such a time as this and has a wonderful plan for your life. So Joshua was about to lead the people over and I, I, I'm going to amplify this. To say that God said, Joshua, now I'm going to give you something, a key that you're going to need for crossing over. In Joshua 1.8, he said, this book of the law, this book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth. What does that mean? I don't want you just to tuck it away in your mind or tuck it away in your heart. And by the way, this book of the law now for us is also the law of love. The law that Jesus brought that kind of trumps every prophet in the Bible, you know, love God and love people, it says. This book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all according to all that is written therein. For then, read that with me, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You know, church, we're at a place where we are no longer begging God to meet our needs. Can somebody say amen? amen? We don't need to. You know, God knows your need better than you do. If you've got a pain in your body, even before you go and get a diagnosis, God knows. He created you. He knows. But we need to come to a place where we understand Jesus has done everything in obedience to the Father that he's ever going to do. The work is done. The price has been paid for healing, for salvation, for deliverance, for everything. Now we need to understand how to declare. God was telling Joshua, keep it in your mouth. Declare the word. Declare the word. I like to say it this way. Don't talk to God about your need. Talk to your need about your God. Talk to your sickness about your God. And that's how I find myself praying a whole lot more. I'm, I'm praying over God's people that are sick and I'm telling the enemy, you are unauthorized to operate in the temple of the living God. Who do you think you are? In the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. 
You know, I command you to recognize you have no authority. We've placed the blood of Jesus on the doorpost of this house. And we've made him our dwelling place. So the Bible says in Psalms 91, No evil shall come nigh thy dwelling, for he'll give his angels charge over you. Aren't you glad? Tell you what, that's a powerful way to live. When you know that nothing can happen to you that God doesn't allow. God gave Joshua that key to crossing over. And he crossed over into God's plan, God's purpose. God's purpose is not for you to remain in the wilderness. The wilderness has a place. You can be taught things there, but the promise of God for your life is a lot more exciting. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Hallelujah. And then you're going to hear my voice. I tell you what, your life gets a lot more exciting when you are operating with an understanding that God is speaking to me all the time. I just need to learn better how to hear his voice. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose that prevails. You know, when God created you, he had a plan. He knew the end of your life and the beginning of your life had a plan for your life. It says, many are the plans in a man's heart. You have maybe had a plan for your life. I had a plan for my life. I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do, but I knew one thing for sure. I was never going to preach. I was never going to follow my father's footsteps. But God. You know, God's got a sense of humor. He gave me, just like my father up here, he gave Jeanette and I a seven day and night visitation with dreams and visions and prophets knocking on the door and crazy stuff. I needed that. It called me to the ministry because I knew for sure I was not going to do that. Too much sacrifice. I saw it in my father's house, you know, growing up. But God, but God called me. And I, I, I love that because when your life is not your own, you've been bought with a price, then you can always go to the creator of the universe to talk about it. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want you to know that you're a part of that kind of a church. You know, many years ago when I was a youngster, like my son here, I was preaching at Strawberry Lake for one of our youth camps. And I got to say, the youth camps were always the most wild. Would you agree? And those of you that went there, I mean, the place was packed out with kids, you know, and in this particular time, I was doing all the night sessions, you know, five, five nights. And there was a young uh, youth pastor that's real popular in this area doing the morning sessions. Some of you might have been there. And, uh, but he was Baptist and from a Baptist church that didn't believe in miracles for today. And so I was pretty excited about that because he's going to get to hear me preach every night. So um, God instructed me to call for a miracle service on Thursday night. And uh, this youth pastor would sit all the way in the back, you know, when I was preaching. But I could tell he was listening. I was telling the youth, I want you to fast and pray all week. I said, we're going to have a miracle service. Some of you are going to be sovereignly healed by God. I said, now I don't want to be laying hands on people that have a headache. I want to know how many of you have a, a, a problem that you need a touch from God that, that's evident. You know, there's just about four people. And uh, one was in a wheelchair, had a real... Uh, uh, 
serious MS uh, that there's only one or two alive in the world from in braces in a wheelchair. One girl had scoliosis so bad, Wendy, you might have been there, uh, that you know you could see it poking out of her back in her, her back. And uh, there were some other needs as well. So we fasted and prayed. And I could tell that this, this Baptist youth pastor was going, whoa, you know, I can't wait for that. And uh, Thursday night came around. And we brought those four people to the front. And God told me, don't you lay hands on them. You have the youth lay hands on them and pray. So they were all fired up. They got around each of these four and started praying. And uh, I was just walking back and forth on the stage, you know, crying out to God and making declarations. And, and uh, all of a sudden, right in the middle, the girl with scoliosis, the crowd around her started screaming. They had their hand on the bone protruding from her, her back, and they, they felt it go down and become normalized. They start screaming. As they're screaming, the boy in the wheelchair with braces on, some kind of a MS, he stands up. His parents were there and said he's never stood up. You know, what's going on? Try to get excited when God says <laughs> Anyway, the part I wanted to get to is while this was happening, this youth pastor was like this, walking to the front. Walking to the front. And to his credit, he got up and said, I have never seen this before. I've been trained. He went to seminary and everything. I've been trained to believe this doesn't happen. I need you to get doctor's reports to confirm this. And I want to go back to some of my instructors and tell them what's happened here this week. Hallelujah. <laughs> Folks, there's a world out there. There's people dying in religious churches out there that just need to see what God's able to do. And you know what? God just loves to do it through some of the least likely people in the world. Just people that believe. Jesus said, if you can but believe, then all things are possible. If you can but believe. You know, Jesus announced his ministry in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Remember after he got out of the, the uh, wilderness, he went back to church, went back to the synagogue. In the Jewish tradition, they always uh, read through the whole scrolls, the book of the law, every year. They still do that today. But the Bible says that Jesus, it must have been his turn to read, but he got up there and instead of picking up where the others had left off, the Bible says, he found the place. Say that with me. He found the place where it was written. And we know that he went to Isaiah 61 and verse 1 and the half of verse 2. But he, he, he started reading this and we can read it in Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. Oh, we got it up there. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Let's go to the next one. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you read this in, the, in what, what he was reading of the book of Isaiah 61 verse 1 and half of verse 2. Jesus stopped reading before he was to read in the vengeance of our God. Because that, that's not where we're at yet. The vengeance of our God is coming. But we're not there yet. We're in the acceptable year of the Lord. 
Oh, I love this. Because you know what? People of God, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. We have to say that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let's say that together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. And like Joshua, to declare what God already promised in His Word to do. And I, I, I really believe that Today, the more effective prayers that the body of Christ can pray is just to declare the Word of God. You know, if you're facing a terminal illness, um, you know, I, I wanted to pray for Tim. Are you here today, Tim? Tim Oswald? Yeah, I see you back there, all the way in the back. I want to declare to you, you shall live and not die. <laughs> because the Word of the Lord says, God wants to heal you so that you can declare the miracle working power of God. You know, Isaiah 16, verse 1, you all know it. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the glory of the Lord shall arise upon you. That's the presence of God. The manifest presence of God shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. This is important. This is the way the church is going to minister in these last days. Can you believe the world's going to get darker? It's going to get crazier. I mean, I wouldn't have believed it a couple years ago, but now I'm starting to believe it could get crazier. But this verse goes on to say, kings will be drawn to you. Nations will be drawn to the brightness of your dawning. The church is dawning. Maybe it took COVID to wake us up. But the only answer for the world is Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God coming to this earth. Jesus said, pray this way, our Father, sing it, say it with me, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth or on earth as it is in heaven. What is that? The culture of heaven coming to earth. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. But God wants that culture of heaven to be birthed in you first. And then this whole book is about how we can deliver it to others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a great applause. Great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. Pastor, you've got a tiger by the tail in this church. I'm telling you. I was asking God to just uh, tell me what's, what's going on in this church. And I'm telling you that you have built the foundation. I'm going to say this, thus saith the Lord. God is giving you the reward of faithfulness. You and your wife. For 40 years, you have laid a foundation in your ministry. And um, God is pleased with your heart and your love for people. And just like Moses, after 40 years... He might have thought that, well, maybe I'm coming to a close here. Moses was 80 years old at this point. But God showed up in a bush because Moses was still curious to see what God was going to do. And the Bible says when God saw that Moses went to look a little closer at that move of God in a bush, then God spoke out of the bush. Hallelujah. Moses. 
Take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy. I'm about to show up. I hear this, Pastor Tim, for your life right now. The favor of God is upon you. The favor of God. You've laid a foundation, but you watch and see now what God wants to do. You and you what your wife have been faithful. And even as this ministry was started in the fires of revival, the Lord says, the former rain and the latter rain shall come and you will see it with your eyes and you will be a part of it. The favor of God is upon you to do greater things in this region. This indeed is a revival center for what God is doing in the nation and in the region. And you come by it historically and you come by it by virtue of my call upon your life and upon this region saith the Lord be strong in the Lord and know that you don't have to do anything but be who I've created you to be and I will rise up I'll speak through you even as Joshua I'll speak through you even as you spoke today and you will declare what I'm doing in your midst and in this region to bring forth my plan in these glorious last days, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I also feel, Pastor Tim, that God has called you to be a generational pastor. That you're, you are liked by the youth and by the parents as well. And you're going to see fruit coming from your youth leadership here in this church. I don't know how much time I had today, but I'm trying to be respectful. I want you to stand. Would you stand with me today? i tell you what, maybe, uh, Pastor, maybe you could come up beside me here. And, and also Barry, because Barry, uh, you led worship today. And I know you've got a heart to see God do a work. You know, we lifted our hands here earlier today. And Pastor, you said it's an act of surrender. I'd like everybody just to lift your hands. This is not being religious. This is an act of surrender. Father, we surrender our heart, Lord, for what you want to do in these last days. Father, we're not afraid because you are with us. Lord, we'll be strong. Lord, we want to operate in power and in love and with wisdom, a sound mind. Father, as I stand between these two men of God and Lord, in front of the many leaders that are in this church, Father, I pray that you would let this day mark a, a fresh beginning for a double portion anointing. A double portion anointing. The former house and the latter house. The latter house will be greater. But the former rain and the latter rain coming forth together to bring something forth in this region. We declare it. Let's all just pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Can we do that? Gura sita talamba saria rarara pasa sururamba sikika la basa sararia la basa tururadiasa satia la basa tururandiasa sararararadia rabasa galamba sururia sata thank you jesus hallelujah 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 you know, for those of you that don't know, you know, what that is, you know, speaking in tongues, you know, it's been misused over the years, I think, in the church to make people feel like they're more spiritual than others, but that's not what it's for. You know, from my studies, I find that tongues, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, is a language of the Spirit that God understands. And God will pray that tongue through you. You don't understand it. But it's God's language, 
and then he'll interpret it to your understanding. And you will get more understanding when God speaks through you and interprets it. So in my, in my thinking, of the nine gifts of the Spirit, tongues and interpretation are expressly for your closer relationship with God. Praying in a language that he understands and giving him the opportunity to interpret it to you. Now prophecy is for speaking to the church, but tongues can be a more intimate language. Nothing to show off about. It's more intimate in your relationship with God. You know, I had the opportunity, Pastor, to, to teach Pentecost and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to a secular college campus in our town. It was on a, a, a course called the Religions of the World. And they needed somebody to preach about Pentecostals. So that they got me, yeah. <laughs> and these kids, these college kids, they, they, they took this course to just get some easy credits. You know, they had no interest in becoming ministers. You know, that's what I thought. I thought it was a minister training. But no, I got there. They're all slumped over their chairs. They're going to sleep for the class. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to wake them up. <laughs> and I started speaking in tongues. I just started speaking in tongues. Walking around speaking in tongues. And they start getting up. You know, and looking, what in the world's going on? And I said, you know what? That's the language of God. And you can learn it. And then God will speak it through you. And interpret and, and, and to your understanding and give you instructions for the day. Is anybody interested in knowing this? Boy, their hands went up. I said, well, you learn it in the Bible. I said, does anybody have a Bible? Well, there was a whole shelf full of Bibles in that class. They all got up and ran back and got a Bible. And I teach them the baptism in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> they didn't want to leave, you know. The world's hungry for reality. Even in 1 Corinthians 14, it says that the tongues are for unbelievers, not for the church. Unbelievers are looking for the reality of God at work on the earth today. Hallelujah. 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 If anybody's here today and you're not sure of where you stand with God, you know, we believe in this church that you can be sure. That there's, there, you don't have to say, I wonder if. But you can be sure. I want us just to all to pray this prayer together. And I believe this will be a rededication prayer for most of you. But it could for some of you be the first time that you say yes and receive Jesus for your salvation. And I'm going to tell you this. After this message today, I believe that you could have a, an experience with God even before you go to bed tonight. Where you hear His voice. Because you took the first step and said yes. Let's just pray this together, everybody. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. You went into the grave. You rose again. And Lord, you were seen all over the region by 500 people. <laughs> so I believe in the resurrection. Then you ascended to heaven. And you sent your Holy Spirit to earth. Today, Lord, I say yes. Come into my heart with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live strong for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor.
Hallelujah.